You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM. Good evening, I'm Keith Fahey and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life. On the show this week we'll be speaking to Alan Dillon, a Chagas Bee Specialist and we'll also be speaking to Kieran Hessian uh, from Wood Farm Fencing Supplies uh, on the banning of Creasote and how their company is going to change in relation to that. Uh, and we'll have also the latest March reports and from any farming news from across the county and as always if you'd like to get in contact with us uh, don't hesitate to give us an email at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie That's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie so looking at some waning reports and Mart sales there uh, for the week gone by looking at Loch Ray's Mart uh, most recent Friday sale uh, in Loch Ray so a strong number on offer with a 97% clearance achieved whaling heifers averaged from 270 to 357 a kilo two limousine at 235 kilos sold for 840 or 357 a kilo 270 kilos at 880 or 326 limousine at 380 sold for 1040 or 274 a kilo uh, whaling bulls are an exceptionally strong trade with exporters very active along with farmers wheelings between three to four hundred kilos were an exceptional demand by exporters prices averaged from 275 to 397 per kilo at 245 kilo Charlie sold for 900 or 367 a Belgian blue at 265 kilo sold for 900 a limousine at uh, sold for uh, 300 kilo sold for 1180 uh, waning sales are every Friday at 6pm cattle sales Saturdays are on Saturdays and Saturdays sale gone by so another large sale on, on offer of, of cattle on offer with the 96% clearance rate achieved strong numbers of cold cows were also on offer and prices range from 170 to 206 Belgian blue 2013 born 565 kilo cows over 1050 and Aberdeen Angus 2020 barn sold for 595 or 11 uh, went, went for 1100 at 595 kilos a 2008 Hereford barn 695 kilos sold for 1280 a 725 kilo cow sold for 1480 or 204 a kilo and there was also some in-calf cows as well sold on the day big numbers of bullocks were on offer with big demand here for many farmers as well as feedlot herds Prices average from 260 to 357 per kilo. Store bullocks from 400 to 500 ki- kilo mark were trade around fire. Three limousines at 426, ki- 27 kilos sold for 1520 or 356 a kilo. A limousine at 460 sold for 1540. And you can contact Lockray Martin. Bookings can be made by calling 091 841219 that's 091 841219 so that was the Lock Mart report looking at the Chew Mart report uh, sent in to us there from Chew Mart <coughs> sample cow prices included 930 kilo Charlie cow met 2347 a kilo an 880 kilo limousine cow sold for 1870 or 13 a kilo 690 kilo limousine cow sold for 1710 or 248 a kilo. Some sample heifer prices then included a 440 kilo Charlie Cross cow make or heifer uh, selling for 1460 or 332 a kilo. A Salera at 470 kilos sold for 1370 or 291 a kilo. Some sample bullock prices included a 435 kilo limousine selling for 1300 or 299 a kilo. A seven, five 756 kilo bullocks made 2,400 or 3.17 a kilo. Some stable whaling heifer prices included a 250 kilo limousine cross heifer selling for 7.80 or 3.12 a kilo. A 340 kilo limousine heifer sold for 1,200 or 3.53 a kilo. And a 3.20 kilo limousine sold for 1,000 euro or 3.13 a kilo. 3.20 kilos. Uh, so sample whaling bull prices included a 3.10 kilo limousine selling for 1,100 or 3.55 a kilo. A 3.40 kilo limousine sold for 12.10. 
uh, winners of the Bullock Show and Sale included Class 1 uh, Continental Type Bullock to Eamon Burke from Tume. Second came to, went to John Mannion from Abbey Knock My. Uh, the Class 2 Patsy Morn uh, Memorial Cup, uh, three ten Continental Bullocks. First went to Eamon Burke again in Tume, and second went to JJ from uh, Walsh from Gardenfield. Uh, class 3 then was St. Charlotte's Credit Union, three Bullocks in a non Continental category sold for Matty Murphy from Tume. And the Class 4 Jimmy Gleason Memorial Cup for one bullock, which was non-continental, sold to uh, Billy Ca- or, or Billy Casserly got that uh, from Irish Town. And Michael Fahey came second from Balance Law, or Kilcurran. Uh, St. Charles Class 5, best pin of five bullocks. And Pat Egan uh, from Castellan Heights won that. So that's just some information there from, indeed, the Tomb Mart. So just looking at some farming news there today, looking at the Irish Farming Independent, um, have a number of different... Uh, Headlines here, Ash Dieback Review to Recommend Compensation for Affected Farmers, writes Margaret Donnelly. A review of the Ash Dieback situation will be brought to Cabinet today to in advance of its uh, publication by Ministers of State, Pippa Hackett. The report understood to have 12 recommendations, including one addressing compensation for farmers whose forestry plantations have been hit with the disease subject to state aid rules. The disease, which was first identified in Ireland in 2012, has impacted thousands of farmers with around 80% of uh, the country's ash trees dead or dying. Farmers' ash dieback meetings uh, earlier this year vented their anger at the situation with IFA Farm Service uh, Vice Chairman Simon White saying they would not support the government's 1.3 billion forestry programme without the ash dieback situation being addressed. The conditions attached are not uh, attractive, he said. The risk factors are far too high. Ash dieback is in the yardstick of how we measure uh, by the Department of and Ministers uh, commented to the forestry section. And the country split on farmers uh, to tackle climate change. 39% not uh, believe not enough is being done to reduce climate change, writes Margaret Donnelly again. Just 1% of Green Party supporters believe farmers are doing enough to tackle climate, ch- climate change, according to a farming independent poll but, uh, carried out by Ireland Thinks. According to the poll conducted on Thursday and Friday last week of the... 1196 people asked if farmers are doing enough to tackle climate change 40% said yes, 39% said no and 21% said they weren't sure so that was an interesting um, survey done there on farmers last week and the new nitrates map may see farmers keep 250 kilo status Uh, further changes to the environmental impact uh, EPAs um, nitrate zones maps are expected to see more areas maintain the 250 kilos of nitrogen per hectare uh, status as huge so uncertainty remains over uh, where tighter stocking rates rules will be applied in 2024 writes Niall Hurson and Kieran Morn. There's also a very uh, interesting article there as well by Martin O'Sullivan uh, who is the author of the ACA Farmer's Handbook uh, on why solar panels make serious financial sense. There's that article can be got in the Farming Independent today and indeed uh, can be got online as well uh, in the Irish Independent app also and uh, there's a couple of very interesting uh, articles in the paper this week how this couple uh, opened their farm and now attract thousands of visitors each year so they've a playground set up there and uh, aftercare for children there so it just shows uh, how indeed farmers can uh, diversify and uh, Henry Walsh also has a very good article uh, this week as well, uh, the dairy farmer who opened up his farm last week to AgriAware and the National Dairy Council, where indeed we had his son Enda on, and um, they spoke very well on uh, and how they open how they opened up their farm um, for a live Zoom or live uh, video feed uh, to national schools all around the country. Uh, where far, where uh, students in primary schools could indeed see the cows being milked uh, via in, in their classrooms 
uh, via video link and uh, they explained the importance of grass in the diet. Uh, how indeed how important grass is it explained how cows are milked and their rotary parlor um, and indeed uh, a lot of other animal health factors there as well and how calves are reared and all that so uh, a fantastic um, uh, uh, service and facility there for kids in national schools where you know maybe a lot of uh, children haven't uh, may not have seen cows being milked so it's a it's a brilliant initiative there by AgriAware and the National Dairy Council and we'd like to um, congratulate and uh, thank the Walsh, Walshes for opening up their farm and uh, um, we had them on the radio as well there last week so uh, a fantastic achievement and it's great to see um, young people learning more about farming as well. Um, just looking at MART prices there we'll also go through uh, MART reports and uh, or we'll go through prices uh, with Alan Dillon later in the show who's going to give us an update on how the weaning trade is faring out um, and indeed uh, prices in Ireland uh, and indeed the UK and Scotland there um, he's, uh, he's talking about the prices achieved um, in factories uh, across the waters as well so uh, looking there as well MART prices defy logic to stay high even as numbers soar and factory quotes slip so we can see there there's a massive gap there between the Irish market and indeed the UK prices being achieved and uh, you know we had Joe Burke on there a couple of weeks ago and he was saying basically you know you do the back calculation of cattle indeed being sold in the marts uh, it can be seen that obviously some people are getting better prices so a lot of uh, cattle are also being exported live at the minute as well um, you know looking at beef prices there at the minute for heifers are about 465 to 470 um, steers are their prices are back about five cent this week and last week. So you're looking at four fifty five, four sixty, or four sixty five, and better prices being paid for uh, bullocks in March uh, our factories at the moment as well. Uh, low numbers um, uh, of sheep uh, in, in in certain uh, areas being sold. Factory prices uh, for yours at two sixty, two seventy, and lambs are at about six ten plus ten cent quality assurance or twenty cent in, in other factories can be achieved. So uh, make sure to shop around and 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 bargain hard with when you are selling your uh, cattle or your sheep to try and get the most out of it and there's also a number of events happening as well um, maintaining mental health in farming world mental health days on the 10th of October and there's an interesting article there online and that Trace Dempsey has done on that on the Chagas website if anyone wanted to look up that maintaining uh, mental health in farming world mental health days on uh, the 10th of October also uh, very good um, uh, if anyone is interested in transferring the family farm there the transferring the family farm clinic is on in the Lady Gregory Hotel uh, Tuesday next Tuesday the 10th um, from 10 to 1 so that's transferring of the family farm clinic in the Lady Gregory Hotel Tuesday October the 10th uh, from 10 until 1 and there's going to be a range of different um information there for uh, farmers so anyone thinking of maybe transferring the family farm there'll be solicitors there there'll be accountants and uh, you can find out indeed about stamp duty and inheritance tax uh, there should be someone there also as well about doing the green search so the benefits there that farmers can indeed get uh, through stamp duty relief and that uh, when they're under 35 by having the green search completed as well there and there's obviously in the range of different TAMS grants available also as well for young trained farmers as well so that's also very very important so first up on Country Life this evening, we're delighted to have Alan Dillon, a Chagas beef specialist. Um, Alan, you're involved uh, with uh, Chagas in uh, a lot of the different programs uh, being run. You might tell us a bit about the Dairy Beef 500 program that you're involved in. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Um, it's, I suppose, a recent program that Chagas have started off. It, essentially, the target is to integrate the dairy and the beef side of, of, of um, Chagas and, I suppose, uh, the wider farming community a bit better. 
we're looking to try and improve the profitability of basically dairy calf to beef and, and this is through a number of ways I suppose it's both improving the genetics and maybe the herd health uh, the calf health side maybe on the dairy side and then the management and I suppose uh, managing feed costs and and, uh, <clears throat> and I suppose uh, getting some systems perfected on the on the beef side so we have uh, a number of demo farms dotted around the country we've got 15 farms dotted around um, throughout Ireland and we work with them to implement change in the farm, uh, try and improve the technology use, and, and hopefully this will will bring a, an improved level of profitability. We're also running, I suppose, a couple of other ed- enterprises along with this um, on this program. As well, one is the the discussion group. So we've dedicated dairy beef discussion groups. We have a couple going in Galway there. Um, we have a new entrant course. We've the first forty students gone through our new entrant co- new entrant dairy calf beef course. This is for anyone that's already at calves or is thinking about going at calves, uh, taking through to finish. Um, we run, we, we'll be setting, starting a second run of that there in the autumn time. Um, and we have some media campaigns as well being run too um, that'll be outlining some of the of the of the improvements on farm over the over the course of the year. So we also have a demonstration farm, the Tipperary calf to beef farm below in uh, Federal and Tipperary, and that'll be launched soon. And um, that's going running 300 calves through to finish at, at various ages and. I suppose it's interesting to see what different genetic makeups and different management management practices can do um, on on that farm in terms of trying to, I suppose, figure out the best way of of, of delivering profit on these farms. Okay, and uh, just in relation to the new entrant courses, there, how many days are involved in that, or, or how can farmers find out more about that, Alan? Um, if they go onto our our website, um, the dairy dairy beef five hundred uh, section of the Chagas well, the Chagas website. And there's an area there where you can take uh, an expression of interest, or you can contact your local Jagas office, and uh, your local advisor will, will forward the uh, forward uh, the request on to us. It's a five day course, um, one twelve month period. Uh, we charge uh, 150 euros a client for the course, and we we visit some of the research centres. We get speakers in from you know external companies as well, and we 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 also run a, a fair share of the course ourselves, and and bring them on to some of these farms that are doing a good job and making money um, and we try and just show right what they're doing and hopefully you'll learn to adapt your own farm to suit and uh, results in I suppose a higher level of profitability that's the whole idea and just speaking on profitability um, what are you finding maybe you know there's obviously a range of different systems we'd say in relation you probably have calves at 24 months for Frisians 30 months and maybe the younger earlier mature and maybe Angus and Hereford heifers uh, have, you, have you a mix of all the different types of calves throughout the farms or which one are you seeing might be the most profitable yeah we've, we've ever had a system from um, guys that are finishing Frisian bulls at 22 months or 21 months down to guys that are doing heifers at the same age Angus Hereford heifers and we've we've a lot of Frisians been done steers at various ages from 20 months up to 29 months uh, essentially look I suppose that what we do find on every farm is that it, it, it's to keep cash flow moving throughout the year and I suppose to make the best use of the facilities on the farm, they're probably going to be looking at, I suppose, three or four kill times in the year. So if you take a typical farm, he's going to buy, he buys in 100 or 150 calves in the year. And they'll be killed maybe, there'll probably be various breeds and various um, makeup in terms of bulls and heifers, etc., depending on what you're buying. You know, they could be killed at anything from, you know, one bunch killed at maybe 19, 20 months, the best of them. The next lot will be killed at maybe 21 to 24 months. And look, you'll always have a tail end that will probably end up being killed off grass, maybe anything between 27 and 29 months. Um, but it's, it's, I suppose it's, it's about getting the grass and management right, getting the, the, the silage quality right, that at least whatever animal you have is achieving the target weight gains all along the way. 
we see guys that are you know maybe running running various systems. They might be running the same amount of stock and the same type of stock, but the profitability can be vastly different from one farmer to the next, depending on I suppose the level of efficiency there. And and really, it, it's about getting as much good quality forage in the diet as possible and achieve as much your weight gain from that as you can, no matter what way you go, whether it is a steer, heifer, bull, store, whatever it is you're doing. Okay. Uh, the weather isn't really playing ball at the moment, um, Alan. Uh, you know, grazing conditions, are it's, it's very hard to manage grazing, especially on heavier type ground at the minute. Yeah, a big problem uh, in a lot of parts of the country, um, especially I'm down here in County Limerick, and it's been, I'd say, one of the worst years in, in 10 or 11 years. Probably You're probably going back to 2012 to see something as bad. Um, soils are completely saturated. Um, a lot of stock are in heavy cattle, Sucks or cows, dairy cows are in a lot of places. So, you know, the, the silage is going in a lot earlier in the diet. Um, and unfortunately, look, it's adding to a lot of extra cost uh, on farms. I suppose the, the, one, the one thing I suppose you could say is that, you know, if you have some younger stock on the farm, some maybe weanlands, uh, you know, calves that are born in the spring, whether it be the out of dairy cows or sucks or cows, at least they're light. They can travel around and, and pick off grass on the, on the drier fields. Uh, and utilise that maybe a bit later into the autumn. There is quite a lot of grass out there still to be grazed on some farms, and the opportunities may be there to maybe house some of the heavier stock that maybe are going to go in for finishing, um, or house maybe some of the suckers uh, and dry them off um, to get them off ground. Because I suppose what we are seeing is there is significant levels of damage being done on, on, on ground as well, and I suppose there's also that eternal problem with slurry. Uh, now that we, we are having serious trouble trying to get slurry out on land, um, and the, the closing date is approaching fast. Okay, and just maybe talking about, you know, farmers, and if the weather does, uh, you know, deteriorate any further, you know, farmers will, as you said, be putting a lot more cattle in the shed. You know, how important is it to make sure animals are, you know, put in dry and clipped and et cetera? Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we might have a few days this week uh, that uh, towards in the, next, in the next week or 10 days here and there that, that might suit uh, the housing of cattle. Um, and it is important, especially with maybe weanlings and that, that we may be susceptible to uh, a touch of pneumonia if they're brought in wet and, and into, into sheds, and especially with the heat that's there. We are dealing with much higher daytime temperatures than normal for the time of year. So if you're putting cattle in wet and damp, it'll take them a long time to dry out inside. Um, and combine that with the level of heat that's in the air outside uh, as well. It's, it's kind of a recipe for pneumonia. Um, I'd say one thing farmers should watch obviously this year, obviously the worms are, are, are a big problem um, because we've had such a mild wet summer um, it's, we've seen a lot of extra dosing being done, there's a lot of extra stomach worms uh, and lung worm out there um, so a, a good worm dose would be, would be essential when cattle are going in and also I think pay particular attention to fluke um, because you probably, if any of you that are on maybe lower ground or ground that may have got a, a bit of water logging throughout the year you could have a problem maybe with with levels of liver fluke, and I would recommend maybe you know doing a bit of a, a bit of a test for fluke or a test for worms and um, see what see where you stand. Um, but more than likely, um, a good fluke dose that will treat all all three stages would probably be advised as cattle go into a shed. Um, if you are using some of the products that cover you know the later stages of fluke, you would want to wait that five to six week period um, until the, after cattle are housed. But Probably one that covers the three stages is, is probably what's recommended. And I would say clipping also, yeah, look, not a bad option at all. We'll help cattle sweat it out a bit more and we'll keep them a bit cooler in the shed. Um, and especially as I said, with, these, with these temperatures hitting, you know, in the mid-teens to so maybe the talks of 20 degrees coming at some stage this week, it's highly unusual for the time of year. Um, there, is a, there is a kind of an increased risk of pneumonia. Okay. And how are your programme farmers for silage uh, this winter? Have you done fodder budgets or that? 
Yeah, um, the silage, silage quantity is, is uh, we're always talking about quality, but I suppose quantity is just as important. I'd say broadly speaking, they're reasonably okay, um, but I suppose the only factor we have to take into account is we're probably going at full tilt bothering probably a month earlier than expected. Um, so that's something that has to be taken into account that, you know, if you're budgeting for a five-month winter, that's fine, but, you know, you're probably going to be in a month earlier, so it's probably a six-month winter minimum you need to be budgeting for. It's not simple either, but look, you'd be hoping that farmers would be able to... Um, maybe, you know, stretch out what they have and make decisions to, to reduce their fodder requirement um, if they do need to. That might be, you know, stick your heavier stock into the shed at this stage rather than sticking them in and maybe near Halloween and start feeding them now and have them gone a month earlier. You know, they won't be as heavy, but they'll probably eat the same amount of meal, probably garner the same fat score. They'll be a little bit lighter going out of the shed, but they'll be gone that bit quicker out of the shed and it will take probably pressure off housing and it will probably maybe save a bit of fodder at the, at the, at the springtime because, look, We've often seen it before, if you remember back as far as 2012 went into 13 and even from 17 to 18, you often see these, these, these autumns that can spring summers into autumns that are wet and ground conditions are suitable and can often be a late spring at the other end as well. So I suppose you wouldn't want people to be thinking in advance that, you know, just because we've had a wet autumn now, it's going to be just in the dry spring and we'll get cattle out early. It might not happen and we don't want lads to be panicking in the come the month of March when they're trying to source fodder over. It could be scarce. Okay. How are markets going at the minute, Alan? We see, you know, good weanings seem to be very expensive at the moment. Yeah, I mean, for anyone selling weanlands or, or stores or anything, it, it, it is a great trade. It, it's booking the trend with what the what the factories are paying. Um, it, it, it's brilliant to see. I mean, we do see, you know, these good quality weanlands. They are still hitting freely enough, hitting three euros a kilo. So, you know, if you have a 330 kilo weanland, you're talking about not far off a thousand euros going from, and which, is, which is fantastic, you know, and it's brilliant to see. And it's the same for the, the stores, you know, let up with the stores. Um, you know, 450 kilo, 500 kilo stores are still making up to around 1,500 euros for the good ones, um, which, is, which is fantastic for the seller. Now, look, for the buyer, I suppose you do need to do the thumbs and you do just make sure that what's coming at the other end is going to is going to cover the, not only the cost of buying them but the cost of the ration and the cost of the silage etc. But you know there seems to be great confidence out there in the market and um, anyone out buying anyone selling cattle now you know has a has a great chance to, to gather up a few quid uh, in going into the back end. Our beef uh, factory prices at the minute there's still obviously a, you know a fair gap there between the Irish and the UK price. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, that's the thing. Uh, you'd be hoping that maybe this gap might start to bridge itself fairly soon. We are still talking, what you know, about a 460 to 470 uh, euros a kilo for, for heifers and steers, um, depending on where you're selling. There are some factories of maybe five cent extra on top of that. Um, they're back a little bit, I think, again this week, maybe back to around, they were around maybe five cent extra last last week at around 465. Maybe you're talking near 460 for a bullock this week. Um but I suppose the, the encouraging thing is that the, the UK price is still co- continuing to rise. And I mean, the, the, the our bread price in Scotland has probably hit north of six euros a kilo this week. So the price is continually rising in our main market, which is still the UK. Um, so, look, we often see it. It takes an extra month or two after that price rises in the UK for, for it to fall back here. And it's probably when they run out of supply over there and things get a bit tighter in terms of the, the cattle flow that we, we maybe start to see things starting to go in the right direction for us. So... That, that's the encouraging thing that, you know, all, all the markets we're selling into are rising. And while it seems to be very slow here, you do have probably a lot of factors at play in terms of there's a lot of cattle being killed in probably a rush off grass now at the minute. There's a lot of dairy cows being run off, off grass as well, being run through factories on the base, you know, milk prices down and the cost of feeding them probably wouldn't justify, you know, a lot of a lot of the inputs that they'd be taking at the minute. Um, so there probably is a lot of cattle running through the factories a lot, lot quicker ahead of schedule than we would have expected, but... Look, these things will flush through and it will create, there will be more demand there in time. Um, but it, look, 
for lads that are feeding, you do need to do the sums. It's an expensive game finishing these over the winter with ration prices, especially in the southern half of the country, are, are, are quite high, probably a lot higher than they are in the northern half of the country. Um, and silage obviously was still quite expensive to make this year too, you know. Okay, and just the last one on, you know, the nitrate derogation is obviously coming under a lot of pressure at the 220 now. Uh, would many of the farmers in the Dairy Calf to Beef program be in the derogation program or will this, uh, will these law changing, um, will they will they affect your farmers much, do you think? No, I mean, if you look statistically wise, it's nearly 7,000 derogations um, done every year. Um, maybe I've increased slightly with the new regulations, but... I mean, there's only probably around 600 out of them are from dry stock farms, and you know, a share of them are in the feedlot category. You know, so um, in terms of our farmers, I think we on, on the demo program, we've, we've on the demo farms, we've probably got, I think there's one of them in derogation is all, and um, vast majority will be staying below the 170. It wouldn't bother them anyway, um, by and large. These farmers, there's none of them hitting, there's none of them will, will will get near the 220 kilos organic nitrogen anyway. It's not something. Dry stock farmers need need to concern themselves too much with. I suppose look, there is the danger that if they're renting land, there might be a bit more of a pinch in their area with dairy farmers looking to take on more land to dilute down their stocking rate. But in terms of a farmer farming his own land, it's it's not really a concern for them. There's very 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 few farmers in Ireland in the dry stock side that are in derogation, and it's um, you know it's it's, it's six seven hundred farmers out of in their, you know out of a hundred odd thousand. It's very small. Okay. Um, so look, it's 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 not really a concern, but um, I suppose it, it, maybe there's that his that rented land problem that may may become an issue down the tracks from. Very good, Alan Dillon, uh, beef specialist with Chagas there. Uh, lots of good information there for beef farmers indeed. So thanks for coming on Country Life. We've also seen you know record number amounts of rain there being recorded on different farms with rain ga- gauges there, and uh, a couple of people text in there uh, on about the the amount of rain that they have recorded on their farms. Uh, so Alan Dillon will actually also speak about getting cattle ready for sheds as well. You know, as we see uh, ground conditions starting to deteriorate, especially where maybe heavier type soils are on farms. Uh, you know, it's very important that sheds are clean, uh, limed and disinfectant there and power washed and you know, given plenty of time to dry out there before cattle are put into the shed. So look, you're ideally making sure that you're putting animals in when they're dry, ideally not wet, um, you know, as this can cause sweating and, uh, you know, produce on the onset of uh, pneumonia. So it's very important to put cattle in sheds dry. Uh, as little as stress as possible. A lot of clipping, uh, clipping the backs along the backs and the tails as well also overcomes sweating there and keeps animals cooler, especially maybe where there might be uh, an, an extra couple in a pain or that. So it's a, it's very important, you know, that uh, the sheds are well ventilated but without there being too many drafts and that, you know, ensuring all sheds are power washed and disinfected before housing uh, to prevent the spread of disease. Examine all barriers and gates and water troughs uh, as well to be certain that they're all in good condition and, you know, carrying out any necessary repairs and uh, make sure gates are hanging right in that as well it's very important as well to ensure that you have adequate space as we said there for animals lying down as well um, suckler cows and slats require about 2.5 metres to 3 metres squared cattle over 275 kilos and slats require 2 to 2.5 metres squared and where smaller cattle they're 1.2 to 1.5 metres squared so like your calves and that as well so just to make sure that you do indeed have enough um, space for cattle and they're not squashed in sheds and obviously feeding space is very important as well that animals can access ration or nuts where they're being fed at all times uh, that they all can 
can eat at the same time. Uh, parasite control is obviously very important. Housing is the ideal time to treat cattle for parasites. The main parasites that need to be tra- targeted, especially with the, you know, the amount of rain we've, we've seen in the last couple of weeks, are lungworms, stomach worms and liver fluke, along with external parasites such as biting and suckling lice as well. Uh, older cattle have a resistance to lungworm and, and stomach worms, but younger cattle such as whalings, uh, you know, and year and a half or stores do not have the resistance and must be treated. Animals should be treated uh, with either a white, yellow or clear drench. It is important uh, that farmers are indeed know the, the developmental stage of lungworms as well and stomach worms and that as this will help uh, you know assess if they know need to be dosed or that so uh, before you do any dosing it's obviously vitally important that you take a fecal leg sample to make sure that you're treating for the right product at the right time at the right rate as well uh, um, and you know by by clipping their cattle you are pr- reduce, reducing the amount of sweating and preventing them onset of pneumonia um, as well and cattle are indeed a lot cleaner as well and where you do clip their backs um, you, you're, you're not creating an ideal uh, area there for lice as well so it can reduce the amount of lice in animals as well um, as the, there isn't as much moisture on the backs of the animals as well uh, like external parasites such as biting and suckling lice and mites um, they need to be controlled as well as it can cause a lot of uh, discomfort for animals and you nearly know whether you have them or not by you can nearly before you go into the shed if you hear any gates or barriers rattling or animals scratching uh, that's a real sign that you know the animals need to be treated for the lice as well as it can really um, hamper uh, thrive and performance on animals as well you know uh, so that's just uh, cattle can be treated as well with a pour on or a spot on product or a clear drench containing the ivermectins in that as well would be or the injectable form too um, and just make sure that you know you're when you are dosing or giving any animals that you it would be very important that you know a lot of the different schemes there farmers um, would know the weights of animals anyway but you know to make sure that you're you're giving them the right amount that you know their weight as well um, and that you know, the product is being is being wasted or that fecal egg samples is very very important as well and uh, you know where you're putting in cows or maybe cattle and make sure that you're you're penning them accordingly if you have a um you know you need a body condition score of suckler cows and if they're too thin or that um you maybe need to make a separate pen for those and maybe give them a bit of ration or meal as well uh, fodder quality as well is obviously very important there um you know a lot of cattle we put in the shed bales are open as well and it's important to know the quality of your silage and you can do a silage test which will determine the amount of protein uh, sugars um and the pH and all that on your silage test as well. So um, how to read a silage sample, um, I might actually go through that there in a couple of minutes, but uh, you know, it'll determine what percentage nut you need to feed and how much of it as well, depending on the quality uh, and the protein of the, of the silage. So looking at the, the dry matter of the silage, this is the amount of silage material after water has been removed. Generally, the higher the dry matter, the higher the potential intake of the silage and silage. However, silages uh, that are too dry can give uh, rise to moulds and heating as well. Um, so you have lactic acid as well in fermentation, uh, described by pH, ammonia, lactic acid. pH is normally and should be 3.8 to 4.2. For the This measures the silage acidity and the ability of the silage uh, to store reduced intakes can occur with two 
too low of a pH um, while a high pH in low dry matter silages can be an indicator of poor fermentation. Ammonia is a useful indicator of fermentation quality. Ammonia ver- uh, values of less than 10% are desire- desirable uh, while values uh, greater than 15% can reduce intakes. Crude protein is obviously a very important param, um, uh, indicator uh, for a silage sample. Levels of protein uh, are, di- are a direct reflection of the quality of the grass at the time of harvest. Young leafy grasses produce high protein silages while older, older stemmier grass uh, produces low protein silage. Protein levels in grass can be much higher earlier in the silage season so in around early May it, it often gives it rise to higher proteins where indeed that uh, silage ground would have been grazed prior and fertilised accordingly. Uh, so your aiming your metabolizable energy measures the usable energy of the silage which is higher at the young leafy grass stage and lower at the hay stage. DMD is the dry matter digestibility is an accurate and reliable test of forage uh, feeding value. The DMD result is used to estimate the energy of the silage as well as expected live weight gains or milk yields uh, from uh, feeding this animals. DMDs of over 70% are very good uh, um, and so autumn calving cows and finishing animals should be on 75 DMD silage and spring calving cows and young breeding stock should be on 70 DMD. 65 DMD would suffice where suckler cows are in good uh, condition and when you are taking a silage sample you know it's very important that you get the most accurate result and best uh, possible way by opening a fresh bale um, and you can use this by using silage cores um, and keep it in a Ziploc bag and the sample can be posted to the lab as soon as possible. Samples which are left in a bag over a weekend or in a car will deteriorate rapidly and give inaccurate results so that's very important. It's about 40 euro roughly to get a silage sample done and you can contact your local Chagas office indeed to um, get that done. We're delighted to have Kieran Hessian from Wood Farm Fencing Supplies. Uh, Kieran, you're very welcome on to Country Life. Firstly, I suppose you might maybe tell us a bit about yourself maybe and Wood Farm and what you do and I suppose where you are located. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, um, Wood Farm Fencing is the name of the company. We're um, located in Ahaskra, um, just outside Ballinasloe, County Galway. And um, we're here with the last... 70 or 80 odd years um, producing um, mainly fencing posts. Okay, very good. And you're, you have, uh, so I suppose there'd be kind of for sheep and cattle, or would that be the most popular, or do you do for houses as well, or what kind of uh, uh, posts do you do? Well, we do do a small range for housing, yeah, but generally it would be all agricultural fencing, um, everything from little short posts, I suppose, for electric fencing to. Um, Long posts for deer fencing and and lately into solar fencing. Okay, very good. So it's a it's a full range. Okay, okay, and I suppose you know the big thing on farms. I suppose Kieran, especially you, probably be a lot more familiar with it. You know, there's a lot of talk of the creosote uh, going. You know, um, I suppose what is going to replace this, uh, Kieran? Well, there uh, a few years ago when we first knew the the ban was coming in, we had about uh, probably three years or four years notice. Um, we invested here fairly heavily in um, some drying technologies and and incising technologies um, to be ready for the I suppose the transition to um, life without creosote. Like creosote was a very good product for what it did, and um, we just needed to replace that with something that would be comparable in terms of. Um, it's life, um, just life cycle or how long it will last. So, um, as I said, we put in a few kilns and um, two incising machines, which are machines that break the outside surface of the timber with little slits and little holes. So, it uh, allows the treatment to get in a lot better. Um, and then we invested in a new uh, tank there uh, two years ago as well. So, we're, um, we're able to give a printout of, say, each bale that we'll do, and we're able to give a printout of 
what it actually contains, the amount of chemical that was in it, and we can then go and guarantee that post. So um, we offer a post there, we call it Pro Post, and, and it has a, a 15 year um, plus guarantee on it. Okay, so I suppose it compares very well then to the Creasel Post. Yeah, it would be very comparable to the Creasel Post. Um, in fact, the Creasel Post was, was uh, to the 15 year um, guarantee you got with that as well, or a, a warranty. Um, yeah, it compares um, very favourably to it, and, and, and price wise, it, it's probably a bit seen on the, the cheaper side than Creasel. Okay, okay. So, you know, we see a lot of uh, on farms there, maybe, you know, uh, farmers are, whether it's been using urea, we'll say protected urea, uh, soil sampling, uh, using low emission slurry spreading. Uh, but throughout the ag industry, even yourselves there, it's obviously came at a fair old costy to, you know, having to put in those kennels as well, which you've really, you know, adapted uh, to the change in, I suppose, laws and consumer demands. Yeah, and look at Creasel was banned for a reason. So, um, it, like the environment is going to dictate a lot of what we're going to do going forward. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of investment here, was um, especially Killens who put in two in 2018, I think 18, 19, and we're in the process of putting in another three at the moment. Um, it, but look at it; it's needed because in the climate we have here, if you don't dry, if you don't kill and dry, um, we don't think we, uh, we're able to offer a post that is going to last the time, you know, so it was a matter of having to do it really. Okay, okay. And how does the guarantee work, uh, Kieran? Um When you buy your bale of post, say, off your local co-op or, or wherever, um, there is a... There's a um, a certificate on it and there's a bail number on it and it will tell you everything that that bail took when it was treated, the amount of litres it took of chemical and the strength of the chemical it took. And there's a bail identification number on that and you go online and you put in your identification number and your own details and um, that's downloaded in the database. It's actually the chemical company that is um, giving us the guarantee on it, you know. Okay, okay. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, with the Thames there, uh, Kieran, with the, you know, the sheep fencing and I think bovine fencing is, uh, is after uh, being put onto it now. Um, do these uh, posts qualify for the current Thames grants? They do, of course, yeah. They qualify for them all. There's, um, and there's a forestry one there at the moment, but probably the biggest one would be the, the Thames one would be the, the one you see most, um, most people going for. But uh, they do qualify for all of them, yeah. Okay, okay. And what sizes again are available? We can do with really any size from a, a little short pole, say a four foot, two inch or three inch, uh, right up to, we have 12 foot poles there that are 10, 12 inches in diameter. It, it, it's every size up along the scale you want. Okay, very good. And how can people find out more about your company? Um, well, they can drop in and visit us here in Ahaskra or... Um, our website there, www.woodfarmfencing.com, or um, any of the local merchants as well, generally all around the country, um, would be stocking our um, products. So you can ask in there to in-store as well, and they will give you more information. Very good. So Kieran Hessian from Wood Farm Fencing Supplies there, uh, sheep fencing, um, cattle fencing, and indeed deer fencing there as well, and a range available from uh, the for uh, residential also. So thanks very much, Kieran, for coming on Country Life. Thank you, Keith. So that's it this week from Country Life. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'd like to thank our speakers, Kieran Hessian from Woodtown Fencing Supplies, and also Alan Dillon there from uh, the Chagas uh, Beef Specialist, um, as well there, um, 
so thanks very much to the, our two speakers um, if we hope you enjoyed the show and if there's any queries or if you'd like to contact us don't hesitate to give me an email at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie or if there's any uh, question or topic you may have covered you want covered uh, we will uh, try and facilitate you as best we can uh, so that's it this week until next Tuesday we hope you enjoy the show uh, next up is Melodies followed by the Nightfly